Welcome to the Working Moms Podcast, featuring inspiring stories and resources for the modern working mom. I'm your host, estate planning attorney, investor, and pregnant mama-to-be, Pam Moss. All right. Today's guest is Alexis King. She is a working mom and candidate for Jefferson and Gilpin County's district attorney's office and for the actual elected DA position. Thank you so much for being here today, Alexis. Good to see you, Pam. Thanks for having me. Um, I would love to start with your background and kind of what led you to run for office. I mean, I never thought I would run for office, I guess, is the beginning. (laughs) Um, I uh, got into prosecution because I worked in a domestic violence and sex assault nonprofit um, after after my undergrad uh, down in Colorado Springs, which is where I grew up, and really saw from a bird's eye view um, and, you know, all on down to the personal level, how much the decision-making of a prosecutor could impact um, kind of the safety and well-being of a survivor. And so that is what took me to law school um, I, at the University of Denver. I clerked uh, after law school for a district court judge in Denver and then was hired by Jeffco. Um, I spent 10 years in the office. Uh, the first five I prosecuted everything that came through the door um, and did some very serious cases and um, did actually was working on a homicide in a school shooting when I was pregnant with my first child and um, really was frustrated that we weren't as outcome focused as as maybe was warranted or, or needed. There wasn't room for that conversation. And I moved to the juvenile unit for the next five years and really focused on issues um, in, for kids in the community, which was much more collaborative, outcome focused, and really asking how do we want this person to be in our community and found it's very rewarding, worked on diversion programs to keep kids out of the justice system, and then was the human trafficking prosecutor. Um, after the 2016 election, I um, was recruited by the Denver um, County Court to work as a magistrate judge, and there again worked on outcome-focused programs like bail bond reform to make sure that they weren't over-incarcerating people based on poverty, mental illness, addiction, and also trying to address bias. So I'd done all of this work and um, uh, never thought of myself as running, was wearing you know a black robe and apolitical at that point. But I saw um, at the time four men put their hands up to be the next district attorney and they were talking about things that they thought a DA should do. And I frankly have done that work um, in the courtroom, um, in the community, uh, really addressing problems head on. And I uh, frankly just started talking to my network about what that would look like. And um, there wasn't an obvious path for a woman to run for district attorney. Uh, In Colorado, there's 22 elected district attorneys. At any given time, there's usually only one or two that are women. Um, I'm a Democrat, and there are even fewer who are Dems. And so it really was, um, frankly, going forging out on my own with a lot of support. Um, So that's why I decided to run. Um, I really care about this community. It's where I raise my kids. Uh, and it's where I've done the majority of my professional work. And so um, that's why it made sense for me. 
I love that. And there was a few things that you mentioned that I kind of wanted to just highlight. And one was, you know, kind of your background and how it started from you, kind of your interest in the law and specifically in the DA's office from working at kind of that nonprofit and really seeing the impact that this office made for survivors. And it sounds like domestic violence, sexual assault survivors. Um, And then when you got actually into the office and was a prosecutor and worked in that area, um, were there things that surprised you? Were there things you didn't expect kind of coming from that nonprofit background and then coming into stepping into those shoes? I think um, community-based advocates um, really always focus on um, what a survivor kind of needs and wants. And I think generally um, prosecution is more paternalistic in how they approach um, needs and wants. And so, you know, it was definitely a shift. Um, Beyond that, I came from a nonprofit organization um, and worked and volunteered in a number of nonprofits before becoming a DA, where it was really collaboratively focused and consensus-based leadership. Um, And certainly a DA's office is very hierarchical uh, in its traditional form. And and so those are two things that always stood out to me. I also came from organizations that were led by women. And of course, these offices are, um, there is not usually um, as much... Oh, it looks like you muted there for a second. I think you were saying something about DA's offices. Kind of, it sounded like you were saying kind of the difference between nonprofits that are run by women and a lot of DA's offices aren't run by women, they're run by men. And kind of, do you want to talk about that for a moment? No, I just, I, yes, I mean, that is the essence of it, right? Um, I think that it, that is in, in another, the nutshell, is it just a different leadership style, um, obviously, a hierarchy um, and large. It's a larger organization as a whole in Jeffco. You know, it's um, probably over 120 attorneys and staff, um, probably closer to 140 actually. And, you know, nonprofits tend to be smaller, uh, maybe a bit more agile in that way because they are smaller. And so, yeah, I think there's some big differences, but ways to learn from both. So you also mentioned at one point when you were kind of talking about your background that you remember being pregnant with your first child and mm-hmm. taking on a really important case. Can you could you expand a little bit on that? Yeah, I actually had two going um, at the same time. I was six months pregnant when the first one went to trial, uh, which was a school shooting. Um, and uh, afterwards, um, started having complications because of the stress and, and intensity of that work uh, and had to step back from the homicide that I was working on. And it was the first time in my life that I had to make a decision that was frankly based on the needs of someone I hadn't met. (laughs) Uh, And it was um, a real shift, I would say, for me as a professional. Uh, And, you know, at the time, um, I wasn't sure, you know, what I was doing. And uh, I did the right thing for him. Um, But I, I think that that's, you know, for us, type A's that go through life and achieve and work hard, um, you want to leave it all on the field. And so um, that was a a big shift for me, um, but a good learning experience. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I think there's probably some people in the audience listening who are kind of struggling with some of those decisions. And I know 
I am 38 weeks pregnant right now. Can't tell on the screen. Um, and I'm, um, I'm not in a school shooting trial right now, but I'm running a firm and I've definitely had to make some of those tough choices. So it definitely makes me just feel better hearing kind of that you made that shift. And as someone who is so inspiring to me and has accomplished so much in her career. So thanks for, for sharing that, Alexis. Yeah. I think the more we talk about things like this, it becomes a bit more normalized and okay to talk about. Um, and I think that's incredibly important, uh, especially, you know, if we have more women coming out of law school, we need to be able to give them the space to continue to mature and go through life um, in our legal community and excel um, and also flex, right? Um, for when they are uh, able to do the 80 hours a week uh, and be in trial and be on their feet all day and, and when they can't. Um, but there's so much talent in the legal community in Denver um, and women especially. We're we need to have the ability to be flexible in the workplace. Have you thought about um, a little bit about, you know, when you're elected, I'll say when you're elected, um, how kind of women will be treated in the office and kind of, because the the role of a deputy district attorney, I was a former deputy district attorney um, as well. And the role is a role that is very time intensive. It's very high stress. And you are someone who, really kind of has forged through it, um, created a path for others. And have you thought about, you know, if, if, and when you're at the top, kind of what policies and procedures are going to kind of set as leadership for other women coming beyond behind you or working for you? You know, um, I love thinking about policy way more than campaigning. Uh, sadly, the campaign part is the dominant part right now. Um, I think that, um, I've, I've looked a lot to bar leadership um, in to start formulating what I want as from a culture um, and potentially from a policy perspective. But uh, I, and what I mean by that is I did the Colorado Bar Leadership Training and I found that incredibly valuable to think about um, how we value people, how we value work, uh, people's different strengths and qualities that they bring to the job how to help people um, progress past things that may not be their strength. Um, and then beyond that, also looking to the Women's Bar Association. And frankly, I thought this year's conference was incredibly impactful that you lead from who you are because that is your strength. And, um, you know, I, um, I am in, can be very empathetic um, and, um, you know, I will, I will cry. I, when I lead, um, I, I will be myself. And I think that, you know, there is, um, a lot of the conversation that happened in that conference this year was around trying to fit into what we perceive to be a leader. Um, when we make, uh, or when we be, step into those leadership roles. And sometimes that means leaving some of our strengths behind that we carry with us as women in this culture. And people like to define as female, uh, define themselves as female in this culture. And maybe we should actually be using those traits. And so um, I think from the starting point, I have led this campaign and will lead the office from my strengths, which for me include, frankly, feminine characteristics and traits that uh, I value, such as being empathetic and um, being kind and trying to really 
again, building people up. Um, the job is the job and it's hard. It's a hard job. So I'm not going to be able to like sprinkle fairy dust over the fact that being a line deputy is really hard work. Um, but I also think that we can um, allow for people to be flexible in the office. We can allow, you know, COVID, the silver lining has been that lawyers have finally figured out that it's okay if people work from home. Um, I think that, you know, as a, as a working mom, I also, I often um, was in the office less, but doing work at different hours of the day. And that we have to accept that that's how some people work best given the structure and the strains that they have. Uh, and really um, also allowing people to set boundaries. So no, you don't have to respond to an email at two o'clock. And so those are just some of the basic things that I wanna bring as the leader of the district attorney's office. I love that. And um, kind of shifting gears for a moment here, when, you know, for the listeners who are kind of thinking about someday maybe campaigning for an office and running for an elected office and are also working moms, just like you, um, what are some of the things when you decided that you were going to run that you kind of put in place as far as, you know, when you were trying to make that decision, um, as far as balancing kind of work and the campaign, what, what could you tell them as far as that they can do it? And, and how did you kind of balance it all? And how have you been? So I, I will say very honestly that I think that the concept of balance is um, a little overrated. I'm not really a balancer. I see everything, right, is that we have to, um, the greatest thing, the greatest gift that I can that I can earn or have is flexibility. So, you know, uh, when it came to thinking about running in earnest, uh, I gathered as much information as I could for people who had run. I spent a lot of time talking with my partner and he is also a lawyer and we have had times when my career has been dominant. We've had times where his career has been dominant and we've gone back and forth, but um, we had to have a lot of conversation about it um, and talking about what if this happened? What if this happened? How would we handle it? Would we handle it? So the hardest thing for me too was to admit that I could not work full-time and get this done. So it meant working part-time, which had budgetary implications. Uh, it had other scheduling implications. It also meant that we couldn't afford as much childcare. So really talking that through and ultimately asking my parents to buy in and be involved in this process um, because we couldn't do it alone. And so those were all the things that went into it. And then lastly, I'll say I um, went through the Emerge um, boot camp program and Emerge is a wonderful training ground for women and also frankly, a cohort and those things together made a huge difference, but um, I needed family buy-in. I needed to have some honest conversations with myself about what this would look like. And then uh, honest conversations with a campaign about where my time was best spent, knowing that I couldn't go to everything and be everywhere all the time. And how far out are we to the election right now? Less than six, right? Yeah, ballots drop. Um, October 9th. 
And then we'll need to get all those ballots back in and encourage everyone to cast their vote. So that'll be November 3rd. So how, how early did you start planning for this? So we're, we're less than 60 days away. Um, was it a year ago, two years ago? When did you kind of start the process? Okay, so I left the bench as a magistrate judge in December of 20, is that right? 2018. Okay. That's when the planning really started. So January, about January 2019. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So more than a year ago. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I announced my candidacy the first week of April, 2019. April of 2019. Great. Yeah. And I think um, one of the things, you know, because I think you and I met in person a year ago. I don't know if it was a year ago. It feels like a year ago. And one of the things that I've really been impressed by throughout the process as an outsider and interactions with you is you always take the time to really personally interact with people. So I think there are inter- there are political candidates that I've talked to who I feel like have kind of a veneer when you chat with them, <laughs> or like wearing a mask. And you, I feel like get very present. You give all your attention to people. And that's probably one of the things about your personality. And then the other thing I noticed is even though you had so many events, like I would see every week a different event you were at, anytime I saw you at an event, you were very present. You were very energized. You weren't, um, you know, whereas I feel like sometimes I'm with politicians and they're like off to their next event and they're not really present anywhere. So those two things for me really stand out for me in my interactions with you is just how present you are. Is there anything that you, I don't know if you've noticed that about yourself, but is there anything consciously that you do to really stay present and in the moment and with people throughout the process? Because it feels really great, obviously, as an outsider <laughs> being being around you. But is there is that a conscious decision, something that you've worked on, or is that just something of that makes you the magic that is Alexis King? Oh, magic. Um, I um, my husband says that I'm a terrible multitasker because if I'm responding to an email, I'm responding to an email. If I'm doing X, I am doing X. Um, and um, after after I really started thinking about leadership, I really was more motivated to put my phone away. So I'll just say that that was a very deliberate decision. I could do a better job every day. Um, but I find that, um, my partner is happier when I'm looking at him and not looking at him like this. Um, (laughs) my kids are happier and it probably is frankly, sometimes to the dismay of my campaign that I, do take a while sometimes with people. Um, but I, I struggle with that, the same thing, right? Pam, like I've met very important people and still didn't really know them after shaking hands with them or, or having a brief conversation. Um, and so I think that I instinctively want to make a connection with people um, and want them to know genuinely who I am. And then I would say this, and I don't know if this is true, but after being a mom and going through, you know, the shift in your life where you find yourself pumping in a bathroom or whatever, I just don't have time to 
baloney be full of baloney. I just don't. And so, <laughs> uh, uh, and, and so for me, that's, I think that's where that comes from. Um, and I just genuinely uh, enjoy people and I feel really passionate about the fact that I think uh, the election of DAs has often been overlooked. I think a lot of people don't know what DAs do. I think a lot of people don't understand how much of an impact it can have on people in the community. And so I've also seen this less in a political way, but a lot of my conversations, even with other lawyers, are educational. And I enjoyed that moment of teaching, you know, in the same way that when you have a jury panel and people, you know, are willing to chat and talk and share their experiences, you know, I, I like that. Um, and so for me, I don't know, I just, that's what I dig on. And so this is a hard road. If I can find the part that I enjoy, I'll take it. <laughs> Do you feel like you um, had like any kind of biases towards what politicians were or what it would be like to run for office that um, now that you are in it, have overcome or changed? You know, um, I certainly have an idea of what, you know, people who run for really high office are like. Um, I still don't really know those people very well, um, even though I've now obviously crossed paths with people more and more. But um, I, I think that that fear of superficiality was real for me at the beginning and something that I definitely wanted to try to avoid. Um, I also, but we'll say on the flip side, you know, lawyers, I think have a tendency to always think that they can figure things out and that they're probably right. That's what we do. And, um, you know, I had to build a new type of team that I've never had to build before. And then I had to trust them. Uh, and I think that, you know, that's again, a, a leadership growing moment. Um, and so, you know, sometimes as a lawyer, I want to think about things, research things, process things, chase my tail for a while. And sometimes, you know, we just have to call the ball and make a decision and move on. And, um, so that's been a transition. And then the last thing I'll say is, you know, you win some trials and you lose some trials and you should spend as much time on the winning trial, thinking about the win as you would thinking about the loss. And um, in this process, there are up days and down days and you have to limit your dwelling on either. You know, you have a great day, you have a great day, you put it in the box, you put your phone away, you go to bed, you have a down day, you put it in a box, you put your phone away and you go to bed. Um, and that kind of practiced resiliency has, um, I thought I had it as a trial lawyer and I have only refined it further in this campaign process. Um, I love that. And so we kind of talked about, you know, kind of as you were entering into the decision to run for office, all the things you put in place and you talked about kind of really working with your partner to get on the same page. Um, you talked about uh, Emerge and how that was a good piece. And then you talked about really connecting with mentors and people who've been through it. And now that you're, you know, so close to the finish line, <laughs> on the, the end of the finish line here almost, um, has there, has there, is there new things that you would 
would have done differently or advice that you'd give to someone now, kind of now that you've gone through this whole process for the most part, you have the last part, um, who are thinking about maybe running for office or kind of supporting a campaign that they're interested in? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, it is really a growing experience. And I think at the beginning, it was very hard for me to be patient with myself because I had been, you know, a lawyer for at that point, you know, 12 or 13 years. I had been, you know, I handled incredibly intense things. I'd led new projects. Like I really felt like I was at, in many ways, you know, the top of a curve and then you get into campaign and you, you're at the bottom of the curve. You're learning again. You've never done this. And, um, and that's hard. Uh, you know, I, I know, you know, you have transitioned from different parts of legal practice and you start fresh and you have to learn again and make yourself anew. And, you know, um, I don't know if I gave myself the patience at the beginning that I really needed. Um, and so, uh, thankfully my partner did, <laughs> but to have those people in your life and to really be willing to ask for help and support, which was also very hard for me because I had really figured out how to do my life, uh, for a while. And then my life changed a lot. And then we had a pandemic, Right. And then life changed again. And I went seven months without school or camps for two elementary age kids. So um, I feel like if anything, I've become more flexible and a little bit more centered in what, um, what I need to get done, how I want to do it. And frankly, that old adage of like, people don't always remember exactly what you said, but they remember how you made them feel. And to carry that um, through this bizarre time when I spend my days talking to voters and talking to supporters on the phone. And you kind of mentioned um, having uh, elementary age kids. And I'm curious to hear kind of one, how has kind of running for campaign kind of influenced your um, relationship with your kids? I'm sure it's kind of sparked conversations and it's, and then vice versa, how is your role of a mom, especially during COVID, um, influenced your campaign? So I will say the benefit of being a first-time candidate is that I had no expectations of what the last six months was supposed to look like. So I wasn't hanging on to, you know, it's supposed to be like this. So when my team decided that we just needed to switch to phone banking, we just switched to phone banking. If we need to do text banking, we switched to text banking. So to in a way that's that was to my benefit um you know you tell me what we've got to get done i'm gonna go get it done i think the interesting thing about covid with the kids is that for the first time in their lives they saw me working like saw it like we're all sitting at the dining room table together on laptops saw it and um my professional life had always been something that happened between the time they got dropped off and picked up and so in a way, they know a lot more about me now than they did before. And I think that that's kind of special. Um, they have some really funny books that my mother-in-law has given them about campaigning. Um, one of them is called Bad Kitty Runs for President. It's hilarious. Uh, but I think the one thing for them is um, just knowing that they always still come first. And they always will, period. Uh, and if anything, I think having this time at home, the silver lining is that 
um, I've always been a busy mom and, uh, I think now they know a little bit more about why, but they really get to have more of me. And uh, I really think that it's been very valuable. So incredibly stressful, sometimes incredibly aggravating, but ultimately really valuable because now they're sick of me and they want to go to school. (laughs) I love that. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Alexis. And before we sign off, what is the best way for people to connect with you to learn more about your campaign and yeah as well they want to all my information is at alexisforda.com and uh my email address and campaign phone number are on there if you have questions you want to reach out you want to connect just go to my website and we'd love to hear from you i try to be very accessible to voters and frankly folks who really care about criminal justice reform issues in the community well great i will definitely include those in the show notes thank you so much alexis thank you pam really appreciate you Hey mama, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Head over to my website, www.findpam.com for all the show notes and links. And you will also get access to my free legal tool to name legal guardians. It's all right there at findpam.com.